Hey, Garrick. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are, how are you doing? How's Sweden these days? Doing well. You know, Sweden, it looks Sweden. pleasant. It's pleasant. Things are in bloom. Life is good. Couldn't, couldn't ask couldn't ask for better, you know? It's the time of year when you feel alive. I mean, you really you really feel there's a bounce in your step. You don't want to go to sleep. Yeah. My kids don't want to go to sleep, and that that's that causes a few issues, but uh, they stay up later. And but, yeah, I don't know. It even bothers you less, though, when your kids don't want to go to sleep when it's this light and everything is just better. Yeah. It's, you know, I was I was blessed once to be in Stockholm in June. Uh, and I, I just remember it being magical. Yeah. Like just, just you, I mean, and, well, and even living in Estonia, living in Estonia in yeah. June and July. Yeah. It's just, it's just about, it might get a little hot, but just, just for a little bit. Yeah. And then the rest there, of the time is just, it's just magical. There's a, there's a, there's a great song by Judah and the lion about their, uh, hey, do you know Judah and the lion? Mm-hmm. Great band. Anyway, they uh, toured in Stockholm and, or in Sweden. Uh, a couple of times and um, they so they wrote a song about summer in Stockholm and like I said I don't ever want to leave as how one of the lines goes like yeah just stay until November then you're like all right let's get out of here yeah (laughs) it's brutal but yeah I mean there is just something about I mean it can be a little chilly you gotta you always have to have your sweater or jacket with you even in the summer you're Uh never guaranteed that you know so if you're coming from the south where it's brutally hot it's a wonderful respite from that. Yeah. But if you're, if you live in it, there's the standard joke of, I love Swedish summer. Last year it was on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So you only get a few days of really, really warm temperatures, but it is, it is pretty great. Um, yeah. I cannot complain. So it, I wonder though, when it's this sunny and wonderful outside, is this how people in San Diego always feel? I kind of get the sense that's that's like your people in San Diego, the happiest people on earth where it's just like life is great. And Lisbon. Yeah. Like does Mike Schatzman have problems? Does, does he suffer at all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He might, he might remind us that he does. Anyway, we, this is an interesting question. So this maybe launches into what we were going to talk about today, but uh, how many times well, okay. So when we when we when we were early on recruiting people to come to Sweden, or over the years as we've talked to people, people when when they tell us they can't come and or they're you know no way would I consider that or you know whatever else they're gonna say. Yeah. Most often they'd be like, I can't do the weather. That's that's like the yeah. first thing out of their mouth. And really, honestly, at the end of the day, that's just the lead into the conversation of yeah, I'm just not gonna entertain that. Um, who who moves? as a missionary to a place simply based on the weather. Have you ever known anybody who's like, I'm moving just because of, not, not for yeah. anything reason. Like, why is that the first reason out of their mouth? I'd, yeah. Weather shouldn't really be a, an issue unless you're kind of health, there's a health reason for it or something. That's right. Unless you're doc holiday and you need yeah. to move to Arizona because you're a lunger. Yeah. Cause you're, you've got tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like missionaries, it seems to me that missionaries <laughs> moving just for the weather is probably not the best, uh, best reason. Although it's not a terrible reason, all things considered. So we have yeah. friends who made decisions about where they would move based on, not solely based on weather, but it was a helpful factor in making that indecision. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there, there's there's a lot of places you can go. I mean, uh, with bad weather, I guess, or not ideal weather, but hot. You know. Yeah, we, Texas. We, Texas doesn't have the best weather. Okay, so there's a, there's an interesting <laughs> thought. I don't ever. I love Texas. I'm proud to be from Texas. Of course. I don't have a huge overwhelming desire to ever really move back to Texas, mostly because when I do, I seem to find my way to visit in like August, and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, this is a bad idea. Yeah. I immediately regret this decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the, 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 the Cody Jing song? It don't rain no more in Texas. Uh, it's gonna, well, we were talking about this like a few weeks ago about how it, there's so many songs about it doesn't rain. It's how hot it is. Uh, I just, brutal. it just starts coming into my mind, all these lyrics of how miserable Texas is in July and August. Yeah. Yeah. So 
then you have the then you have the hurricane season. Yeah. And then you have uh you know kind of you're gonna get a big snowstorm and then you have well you never got that in Houston, sorry, but then but then you get the tornado season. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you got all so so here's the thing though. So I once stated to someone, uh sorry for anyone from Houston, Texas, I'm about to offend you. Um, but I am relatively convinced that everyone in Texas is somehow related to each other. Otherwise, no one would have really chosen to live there. Um, like Original. it's flat, it's hot, it's you know, like it's yeah, it's a swamp. Yeah, yeah, it's a swamp. You know, it's got great food, it's got great people. But like at the end of the day, all things being equal, if you could choose to live somewhere, why would it have been Houston, Texas? And uh, anyway, I think that, so there's a line at the end of uh, the office in the last episode. Um, I think I might've shared it on this. Gosh, I always forget where I talk about these things. And then we get these notes from people we know who listen and are like, Hey, stop talking about the same thing over and over. (laughs) Um, But there's a line that Creed as he's uh, at the very end of the office, um, he he says, uh, have I told you this before, Garrick? I don't think so. Oh man, this is gold. I think this me, is new. I'm, I'm going to pull it up. This is fresh off the presses, people. This is new material on the Rabbit Trails podcast. Consider yourself lucky. Uh, oh, let's see here. All right. So they're kind of going through everybody. People are moving on. You know, it's a, literally the last episode. And Daryl says, "Every day when I came into work, all I wanted to do was leave. So why in the world does it feel so hard to leave right now? Right? And then." Creed says, it all seems so very arbitrary. I applied for a job at this company because they were hiring. I took a desk at the back because it was empty. But, he chuckles, no matter how you get there or where you end up, human beings have this miraculous gift to make that place home. And then it gets carted off to jail. But (laughs) I thought it was incredible wisdom because there is this reality that it doesn't matter who you are as a human being you have a way of making that place home because at the end of the day, it's about the relationships you form and the people you get to know and the meaningful work or relationships that you have in in those places. So a place like Sweden or a a place like Houston, Texas or sub-Saharan Africa becomes home and you don't want to leave those places and you long for them. Well, maybe a good good transition because you're in in between getting ready to set up a new home. Yeah. A home. You're <clears throat> this summer moving to Santiago de Compostela. Si, um, senor. Which uh, isn't that where Puss in Boots is from? In uh, is he? I've never seen so. the never seen it. In Shrek, I think so. I think I kind of he got like his whole whole that. spinoff series, didn't he? Yeah, he got it. Well, he got his own um, yeah <laughs> movie. His own movie. Yeah. Now Antonio Banderas is from Malaga. He's a, he's an Andalusian, and very proud Andalusian. But uh, the character, I think, I think the Puss in Boots was from. I'll, have to, I'll we'll look it up. Um, but you're you're moving to where Puss in Boots is from. Uh, but also, <laughs> and, and really, uh, at the end of the day, that's why because we found out Puss in Boots was from there, and we said, where do we need to move to? <laughs> yes, we okay. So we are moving to Santiago de Compostela in the northwest of Spain. Uh, anyone who has spent two and a half minutes on this podcast will have heard us talk about Santiago de Compostela before. A lot. Uh, a lot of people I are trying that, to get there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Walking, trying Walking to get there. there. Uh, yeah. I mean, where, where do we where do we start with this? Uh, a journey yeah. that started about, a well, September 2019, but really the story goes further back. Um, I don't know what direction we want to head with this. Uh, what, how do you, how do you want me to head here? Well, I, you know, I think, you know, obviously, uh, I like talking. Yeah. How did this happen? How, 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 how did you decide to pick up your family and, and, uh, move to Spain, um, in the middle of a pandemic also, which is kind of interesting, but where did, yeah. where did, it, where did this start? I mean, for me, I mean, I would say it seemed like it started, when we we all did the Camino together, and I mean, I don't know if God had been doing something before that, but we did the Camino yeah. uh, together so, with uh, David Earl Adams' so, 50th birthday. Yeah, so I'll 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 put in there. I'll put, I'll, 
I'll present it this way. So when we, when my wife and I got married 14 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we kind of, we decided to come to Sweden. We didn't have an exit plan. We didn't have a timeline. It was, we're, we're there until we're not there. And I don't know, a number of years goes by and, you know, uh, the Lord has been faithful in many years, has grown the ministry, very proud of, of what we've been involved with. Uh, lots of mistakes, of course, along the way, to things that we should have done differently, could have, should have, would have. But it, all, and all through it all, the, the Lord's been incredibly faithful. But I don't know. I don't know when it was, but it was, I don't know what year it was, but there was this increasing sense of restlessness, I think, and for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be cool to get Victoria on here maybe at some point and she could talk about her her journey in this. For For me, it just began to be this sense of, I was just, I just became really restless and started having a lot of uh, energy. Uh, well, actually lack of energy. So I, I'm an ideas guy constantly coming up with new thoughts and perspectives and things that can be done or ways of looking at things. And if, if I'm healthy, I'm having hundreds of ideas during a, the course of a day. But as I get unhealthy, those ideas just aren't there. And through, and we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, but different stress and things that were going on, I just was in an unhealthy place. So the sense of restlessness starting started kind of going in me, but I, I never felt like it was time to leave Sweden. I always actually felt the opposite. So over the years, people would approach us with different ideas of things we could do in other places, you know, within the organization, outside the organization, churches or a position with inside crew or something. And we just felt like, no, you know, leaving would be the way I described it, a dereliction of duty. And I remember uh, it was August of 2019. So we went and walked September of 2019. And uh, but around August mm-hmm. of 2019, I started to wonder, um, well, I actually entered a period of uh, prayer and fasting, just kind of asking the Lord, Lord, what's next? Because I am, I'm really restless and just not having a clue. And um, during this prayer and fasting, I, um, <laughs> this is hilarious. I, I kept coming up with this idea to open a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> I remember Which, you talking about. Yeah, yeah. One is what to do when, when wants to when you're fasting. You think about food all day, and I was like, yeah. I knew, like, okay, I'm thinking about food all day. Like, obviously, like, like I'm I'm hungry. Okay, fine. I love I love barbecue, but it wouldn't leave. Like, I woke up one night and I couldn't stop thinking about opening a barbecue restaurant, and I wasn't thinking about the food. I was thinking about the inner workings of in and around a barbecue restaurant. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I, I think that there's something here. So I'm going to need you to kind of suss this out for me and help me figure out what, what's going on. But nothing really kind of came or went of that. And fast forward into just a couple of weeks before we went on our Camino for DE's 50th birthday. Um, I, I, uh, I was at a church retreat. I was, I was serve as an elder in our church and, um, I remember sitting there thinking, um, I'm not needed in this room. And it wasn't like this self-pity thing. It was more like this sense of like, God, you've provided wonderful people to do what you're accomplishing in Sweden. I'm not sure that at this point I'm giving my best contribution anymore. And it was almost as if it was that situation where I had told the Lord uh, many years before because of that dereliction of duty. Okay. You're going to have to make it obvious when it's time for me to go. And it was, you're going to have to help me to feel released. And it was for the first time I felt like, I kind of feel like I'm released here, but I had no clue what that meant. Kind of know why I want to do this or where would we go? What would we do? It was like, so I guess I'll just keep staying in Sweden because I just don't know what to do. Anyway, fast forward, we went to the Camino. And um, I remember the ride up, uh, to from I flew into Lisbon, Portugal with Mike Schatzman, and uh, we had a nice five hour drive to Santiago de Compostela to meet up with you guys. And the whole way we talked about future, I was just like, Mike, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm struggling. I see the value in, in being in Sweden, I think I make a good contribution, but I'm, I'm not getting joy from my contribution in the ways that I want. 
So walking along the Camino, the thing that I was walking with was the future. I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have for my future? And my wife, actually, the first thing, last thing she said to me as I was walking out the door, she said, go, go find our future for us. And we kind of laughed and, you know, okay, yeah, right, whatever. Uh, Famous last words, I guess. And uh, anyway, so on that Camino, I remember walking into Ligonde, the the albergue that uh, Agape Spain runs. And um, it was like a ton of bricks hit me. Um, Ideas started just flooding through my head of what could be done in and around ministry. And it's one of these really incredible things. If you had told me the short way that I'll say this and then Maybe we can talk about this a little bit, but so in Sweden, you, you know, you, you got to really, really scrounge around to find some spiritually interested people. They yeah. exist and it's beautiful fruit when you, when you find it. So it is worthwhile work. So I'm not poo-pooing the work. It, it is, we need people here and Christians are doing incredible, faithful walking with Jesus and making him known. But you really got to work hard to find you're you're not filling up your schedule and going, okay, who do I need to cut out? Because I'm not sure these people are spiritually interested enough. You're like, it's a spiritually interested person I'm meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it occurred to me that if 13 years previous, someone had told me there's a place in Europe where every year, hundreds of thousands of people will walk by your front door who are spiritually interested. I'd be like, take me to that place. And it occurred to me on the Camino that is that place. Not everyone who walks it is spiritually interested, but a lot of people actually become spiritually interested along the way. And I sat down one afternoon. So I remember walking with you guys, talking, thinking of ideas, just seeing ways in which the Camino, people's journey on it, uh, you know, through evangelism and discipleship, we could step in and bring them closer to Christ. And there are many ways to do that through service, through processing, all sorts of stuff. But I sat down and in 20 minutes, it was like the floodgates came open on me with, I had over a hundred ideas of just different things that could be done in and around the Camino. And it was like, whoa, this isn't, this is, I felt alive again. And I realized in that moment, what it was about, about the barbecue restaurant was the same thing that I was experiencing with the Camino. It was, this is a place where my ideas can be, valued and and realized mm-hmm. in a in a different in a new in a new and different way um and so that that was kind of the i think the genesis of kind of us and you know we entered at that point entered into conversations with you guys to try to get a sense of okay what would the reality of a move for people like us be to spain and you guys have been foolish enough to say yes to that um <laughs> i'm not sure if you'll regret it or not but so i don't know that's that's a little bit of the beginning of it um, mm-hmm. what was it? I mean, what, what, what is it about the Camino that makes it different or special or unique? What, what did you see in those, those early days, uh, walking the Camino? So I, I remember you, you showing up and you were, you were a little bit in, in a, maybe the first day, a bit of a rush Yeah. to get somewhere. Yeah. Well, I've always been in a rush my whole life. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then but at yeah. some point you, you saw something, something happened. I remember uh, where yeah. you were, then, then it became a different kind of experience for you, I think. Yeah. Wow. That's really perceptive. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I think, I think um, there's a lot, there was a lot going on there. So part of it is this um, restless sense of, I got to get somewhere. I've always had my whole life. So Mm -hmm. it's not just with walking somewhere, although I tend to walk incredibly fast and I wake up with a a nervous energy in life. And God's been taking me on this journey of resting in him and realizing, yeah, God's made me with a certain amount of energy to get things done and to do things. And that's a wonderful blessing, but, um, you take that to the extreme and it becomes flesh filled and um, Mm. self-serving and uh, anxious and stressed. And, uh, and so on that, on the Camino, I think what one of the things that I began to see is that it is one of the few places that we have left on planet earth. And I, I I really kind of mean that. I think there are some other examples we could give, 
where you, when you're on it, life slows down and you are forced to take things at an incredibly different pace where it's simplified to the point of being clarifying for everything else. And I think you yeah. hear this story about the Camino so often from pilgrims who go on it and they're like, I was busy, I was stressed, or I was really trying to think through things. And through the process of walking and having a simplified life of wake up, pack your bag, walk, stop and eat, rest a little while, walk some more, find a, find a place to sleep for the night, mm-hmm. wash your clothes, go to sleep, repeat the sheer simplicity of that allows people the space to begin to really work through some things. And for me, that, that became hugely, hugely, very quickly apparent. And yeah, my, my experience became very different. I think the first couple of days it was wake up and let's get to the other, let's get to the other place. And I'm, I can be a pretty fast walker, especially when I'm determined then later it became, as DE famously said, there is no fast forward on the Camino. doesn't yeah. matter how quickly you walk it at the end of the day, you're still going to the same place and you still have to walk those steps. And so your fundamental approach to that has to become different. And that's actually affected all of my ministry too now. Um, I don't know if you can hear the rain outside of on my balcony. It's it's being pelted with like, yeah, yeah. I think little, it might be hailing. Oh, um, nice. This is the ambient, the rain ambiance of the, uh, <laughs> rabbit trails podcast. Yeah. So, so I don't know, man, it, it became, it, yeah, it, it did. It became a completely different, um, experience so much to the point that when I came back, I've really tried to incorporate a lot of that slowing down. Yeah. There's a great book called the ruthless elimination of hurry. Uh, it really mm-hmm. talks about resting Comer. and yeah, John Mark Comer. And we really just began to apply that to our lives. Victoria was way ahead of me on that. She's always been ahead of me on that. I kind of didn't want to listen to that. And uh, we started applying it to our lives where we started putting in better margins and just going slower. And so I go at a slower pace in ministry now. It doesn't mean I don't, I get tons, I get more quality things done and we get tons of things done, but like, I'm just, I, I'm much more, what the Camino helped me to do was it, and I'd like to hear your experience on this. Maybe, I don't know if you've had this experience, but it helped me accept my limitations. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of people have that experience where it's, you know, it's not just physical. I can't carry my pack anymore, but like you just, you can only cover a certain amount of ground every day. You can only, you know, you can only uh, carry so much. You can only walk at such a pace. It's just, it's, it's great for pointing that out. And that was some, that was an important lesson I needed to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for a lot of people it does because you, you build this rhythm, you know, <clears throat> and then, you know, unfortunately we, we've done it. We, we've, you know, five or six days, it's still, still fairly short, but even in five and six days, you can really start having this, this regular kind of, uh, especially I think the fact that we, we did it in a group because then it was, everyone had to slow down together. And so then there was this, the long lunch together. There was the, it, it felt, it felt, I mean, this may sound a little strange. It felt a little bit like being a kid again, mm. or in like a summer camp, you know, and like, there's really nothing else to do, but get up and walk, you know, do a few chores. You got to do a few chores, but the rest of the time you're eating, resting, talking to people, and so just, it's that, or maybe like being in college again, that, that, that kind yeah. of freedom of time that's uh, where you can clear your mind and, and yeah. you don't have to, you're not constantly thinking of the next thing as, you know, guys our age with, you know, responsibilities and work and home and stuff like that. Not that those responsibilities are bad, but you realize there's, there's some core things in your life you need to make sure you, you keep uh, as part of your life. Yeah. And I think that's friendships was, uh, was, was important. Yeah. I I think that's one of the things that, that I love about. So one of the reasons we've chosen to, okay, pack up life in Sweden, move to Santiago, 
learn one to two new languages um you know like <coughs> uproot our kids from the only the, from the only home they've ever known and from the only friends they've ever known um take a chance i mean all these things one of the reasons that draws me so why like it's come up the question's come up a lot of well why not just like lead teams and lead groups walking the camino and it's like well i can only be away from home for you know even yeah. if I read four a year, I'm gone at least, you know, a month and a half a year, just, just to lead those trips. Right. So that yeah. becomes a little bit impractical, but then it's also, uh, you know, it what was that really? So one of the reasons that's led us to the point or it, it's helped me to just really appreciate the Camino is that sense that everyone who's on it, whether you want to or not, it's a point of transition for most people mm. who who go on it. So whether or not a person does it because they're just like, well, I just wanted to do something. But actually a lot of the reasons that people are doing it is they're, I'm turning 50, I just got divorced, I just graduated from college. They're at this point and they're, they begin searching in life. And oftentimes the Camino ends up, the, the experience that people have on the Camino becomes very clarifying. Well, I'm also not just an ideas person. I'm also a fairly strategic person. And it's kind of like, look, if people are on what essentially is a spiritual pilgrimage, it's a Catholic spiritual pilgrimage to this place. And Jesus is in and around that and has been for hundreds of years, thousands of years or 1500 years or whatever it is. Why, why would I not want to be involved in a place where I could enter in, in that with people? So for you, it was friendship. Well, what's more gospel than friendship? Um, what's more gospel than you have a limited time here on earth, but you're limited in your capacity and you'll face your end and you're not as important as you really think you are. What's more yeah. gospel than you have a broken relationship. Let me introduce you to the person who can heal that. Like that, that's, that's, it seems like everything that people carry with them, Jesus said, come to me, all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yeah. And that's what I began to see on the Camino was just that sense of, because it didn't matter who it was, who was walking, you know, who we were walking with. Uh, but then we saw it all around us is that you, people have these experiences and it's a perfect opportunity for people to enter into them with, with those people. So whether it's at Legonde or, or, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So the desire to be a part of that full time, uh, would just became overwhelming for me. Um, and, uh, and so, and I, I like new things. I'm a little bit of an entrepreneur sort of thing. So Spain has been gracious enough to you guys have taken a chance on us and and uh, is letting us explore. So it's, uh, it's exciting, man. So you, you finish the Camino. Yeah. We have a you know, nice, nice meal. You head back. What, what, what is it? What are the, what were the next steps for you as you, cause you get, you know, you were kind of, all of a sudden it was kind of an epiphany moment for you. Yeah. Uh, as you explained, um, you know, and then, but you still had, that was a, you know, that was a while ago now. That's yeah. It was a year, almost, almost a year long two years process ago. for us to, yeah get to the, well, it was a, more than a year long process for us to make the decision to go ahead and, and do it. Yeah. Um, a little over a year. Yeah. So we went back and began processing. Victoria and I knew that we needed a change. So we started to talk to people in within crew and uh, talk about different possibilities of different roles we could take on. I interviewed, I actually interviewed for some jobs with churches and in, in the States and, um, and nothing was just sitting well with us. And every time I would go for a walk, um, I started walking a lot. I got on a bike accident, uh, in 20, early 2020. And, uh, it makes it sound more glorious than it was. I ran into a pole <laughs> <laughs> and really messed up my, my leg. And, uh, so I had to stop running. And so I'd go on these long walks and, uh, and as I would walk, I would pray. And every time I'd pray, every time kind of decisions and all these things would come up, just this sense of, man, I just, I just want to go to Spain and I want to see what we can do here. Um, we just, I'd be overwhelmed by it. And uh, so we just kind of began to understand, okay, I think we need to take a chance on this. So yeah, so it was, it was a long process. I mean, it was over a year of talking back and forth with you guys and dreaming a little bit. And we even took a trip to Spain. We, we walked the Camino as a family. 
um, really looked into kind of our personality and our strengths and our giftings and kind of desires and how do we, the phase of life we're in, how can we, how can we use those things? I mean, it was a, it was a long, long process. Um, yeah. I think for some, it probably seems like we just out of nowhere up and decided, all right, let's move to Spain. But it was like, no, this was a, <laughs> and in many ways, it seemed like a, a really long and even painful process of, you know, mourning a decision to leave a leave Sweden that we've grown to love and, but also move on to the next thing. So yeah, this is probably something, you know, a lot of people haven't necessarily <clears throat> experienced in the mission field. You know, people tend to make a, a move from their home country to a new place, right? And that tends to be the, um, the big move. Or you you might move uh, within a country, right? And I'd say, okay, well, we've been in this city a long time, but now we feel like God's calling us to a new city or new initiative. Um, and, and so it's not that... that um, people don't then so often make decisions mid-career to move from country to a new country and start something new. That's, that's not unheard of. Um, but, but it is, it is a more unique experience. I think um, the, how, how has that, how has that been as far as you, when you, when you, when you locate it in the, the course of many, the many decisions you've made over the course of you, you both over the course of a long career uh, in ministry and missions how does that, how does that compare to, to kind of? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, for me, this is my, this will be my done it a fourth, times. fourth location <laughs> to four, fourth foreign country to, to serve long-term yeah. in. Um, but I, I don't, I, but well, what's interesting is I'm just now realizing though, how odd that is. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, okay. So like you, you grow up as a kid and you go to church in America and some missionary comes through and he's wearing some kind of weird clothing. And you're kind of like, okay, that's a weird dude. And you're like, it it takes some weird people to be missionaries. I'm finally embracing the, the fact that, um, Oh, I am that weird dude. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, I'm about to go and move to my fourth country and attempt my fourth language. Like, okay. Arabic and, 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 uh, Uzbek. I don't, I don't really have any kind of mastery whatsoever. Uzbek more than Arabic, but like it takes kind of a weird dude to kind of go, I don't know. Let's move to Spain. Like we're let's move to Spain, you know, like I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm think when I look at the trajectory of decisions, this is something that I'm more and more appreciating versus um, the idea of calling. Um, I don't, I don't mean calling in the sense of, I think the way that it got, really misused when I was growing up and can be misused in Christian circles where it's like everyone thinks they're going to have the road to Damascus moment. And that's what calling is. And I mean more calling of Paul's education and personality that prepared him to take on the role that God had him take on and then moved him to all the places like what went into that. And there's a great book called courage and calling and that I would suggest anyone read and which had a big impact on me. I think that's a great way to look at it. So for me, when I look at my personality uh, and the things that give me life. So this is my new in the moment ministry should give you life. You know, yes, it's, it's ridiculously hard. Paul talks about, you know, the anguish that ministry gave, but there's also a sense there that it should give us life too. that when we're in a sweet spot of doing, if all things being equal, if you can choose what you can do, then ministry should be something that is life producing because you're, you're, you're able to do things that you just really enjoy. And I think one of the reasons that it became apparent to me that I needed to leave Sweden was because the, the role that I was in and the things that I was doing long-term it wasn't that I wasn't good at them or they didn't provide value. It was that they had ceased to provide the life that, um, that I think ministry can provide. And, and, mm. and so yeah. one of the things that's true about me is ideas are a big part of generation of ideas. I'm an ideas factory, but also there is, the sense of thinking through, well, how could these ideas be used? How could they be used to, to build towards something and something new? 
But I'm also realizing and appreciating more and more, I'm called to the first part of those ideas. And I don't mean it in the, I don't mean it in the overly spiritual sense. I just mean more where, where my strengths lie. And these are the few cards that I have to play. So there's a friend I have, Chris McGuffey, um, who was overseas for years and, you know, great guy and pastor now. And Chris used to say, I've got about four cards to play and that's, that's all I've got. And Chris was just always real honest with that. And I, the, the longer I'm in ministry, the more I realize, yeah, I've only got a couple, I maybe we've got two cards to play. <laughs> and as, and as I look back at the things that I am really, I don't want to say proud of, but maybe proud of it's these moments where I just stupidly said something or came up with an idea that someone else really has done the hard work on and blessed people with. But I was the germination for that. And mm-hmm. I played a short but significant role in it. Other things I've worked really hard at, we've, we've you know, expanded the ministry here and it's been a labor of love. And um, I don't expect that that part, everything worth doing is, is really hard, but I'm learning to appreciate my gifts for what they are or my strengths yeah. for what they are. So I think part of that calling is going, well, where can my strengths be used to help make Jesus known? And I've always been part of that kind of calling, so to speak, is I'm always drawn to a little bit unconventional new thing. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm really starting to see how that really plays out. And so, okay, there's hundreds of thousand people who walk the Camino. It's not some unknown, unconventional sort of thing. There's lots of people doing ministry in and around the Camino. So that's not new. You know, Agape Spain already has that. But there's something in me that's drawn to wow, I see the potential in this. And I'm really drawn to see how God could use us in whatever next might be mm-hmm. um, in order to kind of leverage and, and propel that forward. So um, I think there's just that really open opportunity to be, to take it to maybe a, a different level or something like that. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but. Well, and it, but it is an unconventional. I mean, even though the, there are people doing it, it's still, it's still unconventional. This is not a, typical <clears throat> kind of ministry, although I think it's incredibly effective and incredibly important, but it's, it's definitely a little bit off the, the map. I, I like what you said about uh, the, you know, the need for calling and knowing your gifts and what you're, what you're really good at and how can you come along and be a part of that? I think that's, I think that's really, really, really important. Yeah. And help me to say no to quite a few things too. Yeah. Cause we had some really interesting as we kind of entered this phase of, okay, let's explore what's out there just to see where the Lord would lead us. Cause we didn't feel like we had necessarily a leading and we we're like, if it ends up that we just need to stay in Sweden, let's just stay in Sweden. And there were some really cool opportunities on paper, but the more, the more we thought about it then. And then the more, the longer I'm away from those opportunities, the more I realize, Oh man, those would have been terrible fits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have really frustrated people and I would have I would have just dried up on the vine. And I think that's one of the cool things. And so this is what I mean about like like I'm not sure I can appreciate or I'm not sure I fully get people whose mind works in ways of administrative giftings. Yeah. Like like yeah. I just don't I just don't get that. But I think when I was younger, I would have thought, man, that's just silly. Why does anyone want to do that? I mean, it was an arrogant young dude, right? So who thought the only good things are the things I'm good at. Now I go through life and I go, oh man, there would be no greater joy than finding an administrative opportunity for someone who is gifted in those areas. Like, yeah. And let them run with that because they get such joy from that. And it's just, I think it's just a really cool picture of how God makes the body, how yeah. he's, how he's gifted the body is like humanity will work together in these ways. And if we can appreciate that people have very different ways of accomplishing things yeah, and that things are, people are good at, I think there's, I, there's real power in that. I think that's a real, it's a real, that's a real key need for leaders to understand that because we sometimes we, we tend, you're right. We do this where, well, I'm good at these things. So these are important. Uh, yeah. When or I I need to be good at everything, so I'll I'll figure it out. I'll do it, 
and that which that all is kind of the road to burnout when when you yep. don't realize like I, I can ask someone to, for help on these right. th- these things i'm not actually i'm not good at them right. um, i think those are hard hard leadership lessons um and hard ministry lessons that often we have to kind of go through uh hopefully when we're younger <laughs> most of the time yeah um, well but, but i mean i think that's the that's the thing though right it's like Gosh, and the bummer about life is that most of the time when you're younger and someone older tells you that, it's like, hey, here's an important leadership lesson for you to learn. You're not going to really listen until you've hit your head against that no. wall enough times that it hurts. Yeah, that's very true. And it's it's just like, very man, true. you wish you could save. It's kind of like, you know, when people tell you, hey, marriage marriage is hard, but you need to work at it and it's a blessing. And when you're, before you get married, you're like, man, those people are really Debbie Downers. I don't know. And then you kind of go, Oh, I wish I yeah. would have listened, you know, <laughs> like, my marriage like, is awesome. <laughs> so I've been married it, for a week. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that's, that's part of it. So kind of going into this new, new phase, I don't know. I, I think maybe we're off track here, but part of it is just going, okay, I've got these cards to play, Lord, whatever you're calling us to, because there's a lot of openness here, right? Of what is it going to look like for us to move to Santiago? But again, that for me personally, that's actually where the joy is at. I don't know the answer. And for me, and I'm realizing like not everyone approaches life that way. Like that's a kind of a weird way to approach life or maybe not weird. Not everyone goes through life that way, but that's one of my fundamental ways of going through life is I get, really a lot of pleasure and satisfaction out of finding myself in situations where I go, I don't know, let's figure it out. And that uncertainty, the new thing that I can throw myself into um, and kind of learn and it's become, it's kind of, so the way I put it is this, um, Sweden was always challenging and has always been challenging, but it had ceased to become a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. And I knew the game. I know what Swedes are going to say. And I know kind of this response and I know how things are going to be like, it was like, I, so it was no longer interesting. And I didn't feel like what I was adding to it. I wasn't adding anything new. I was just maintaining what was there and there yeah. needed fresh perspective in order. And that's actually one of the cool things in this process of us handing the ministry over is there's new people that are going to be stepping into things that are going to lead in a different way that I think are going to surface kind of what needs to happen for the next phase. Uh, but it also took me letting go of the ministry because I had too tight of a death grip around it, you know? Um, and, uh, Anyway, I'd, 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 we're far afield off of, of where we were, but. Well, well, here, here's, here's something because you, you are, you are, so people are probably going, okay, well, you're doing Camino ministry. What is that? What does that mean? You, you guys don't necessarily have a clarity on that right now, but your, your next steps, right. Are to, to go and learn and see and, and explore and just continue to trust God. I think so in, in a lot of ways, you're still on a pilgrimage. Yeah, Santiago. Yeah, so. uh, what or or are, are things starting to congeal a little bit now? Or are you still very much let's let's get there and let's let's feel? Yeah, um, I mean, there's certain things that both. So the interesting, the the awesome thing about being a husband and wife team is that you both have <laughs> gifting and let's say calling in, in the sense of what you're strong at and kind of where your gifts are going to play out and. Uh, I feel like the Lord has blessed us and that Victoria and I work really well as a team together and we'll continue to do that. But there's also particular areas that she is just geared towards. And um, I don't want to say anything here that would pigeonhole or, you know, her and in, in kind of what but she loves helping people process mm-hmm. through seminal moments. And the Camino is nothing but a seminal moment. Like it doesn't matter who you are. If you've walked it, you've experienced some kind of change or experience in yourself and you need to process through that. And so she's really wants to explore kind of, you know, what would it look like to help people enter into this? Now that could be teams of Spaniards walking it, you know, summer mission, that could be Americans, that could be businessmen, that could be all sorts of things. We're, we're, the reality is, is that at the moment, um, I'm, we're only adding to the list of ideas rather than refining it. So, we know that, okay, we're moving to Santiago de Compostela for, for several reasons. So one of the things that 
this in this whole process. Um, cause we, you know, you guys, uh, you know, talked about a few options that could, could work for us to move in Spain. Some of them in around the Camino, some of them not. We talked to Portugal, what would it look like to move there? And in the end, we felt like, Hey, here is the Legonde house and Agape Spain who have over 20 years of ministry in the Camino, it would be foolish for us not to be close to that. So any situation that was going to be five hours from Legonde house felt like it was too far. So then at that point, there's only a few cities and, you know, Santiago is a big enough city. We can get our kids educated. There's an airport, you know, different things like that. It became, you know, kind of logistics things. Um, then began to narrow down some of that. But then from there, it's really just going to be, okay, well, let's explore. How could we be used? What are the opportunities? Um, how can how can the Camino be used? My, my desire long-term, and who knows where this will go, but how could a pilgrim, if they were to walk from any starting point, have multiple interactions with the gospel and with Christ followers along the way. So that by the time they land in Santiago de Compostela, they have interacted with the full breadth of the gospel in some meaningful ways. Like, so does that mean finding ways to partner with different albergues that have Christians in them along the way? Does it mean starting albergues? Does it mean, you know, I mean, one of the ideas that we've got going on, I, you know, that I throw back and forth is like, there's all these networks of, um, you know, leaders in Europe, who um, there's a Christian guy here who has a network, you know, I've talked to him about, well, what would it look like for us to gather leaders and take, they could take five days to walk the Camino. And what if we did a discipleship course with them? You know, you and I have yeah. talked about getting guys together and doing a discipleship, you know, leader L leadership development time. There's just tons of stuff because it's unending because at the end of the day, the, I think some of the things that I'm realizing people are, there's too much noise in people's lives. Yeah. yeah, And the Camino provides a denoisification to quote President George W. Bush. I'm sure he said, <laughs> he said that at some point. Um, but to denoisify, denoisificate uh, their lives and allow a process to begin. So then you can help them carry on that journey because the Camino carries on once you leave. And so really, honestly, there's just nothing but open space for us. Um, we have, you know, we're going to explore, we're going to dream, we're going to think through, okay, how can we do this? We have no idea what kind of teammates do we need? Uh, it's our desire is to expand the ministry within to help Spaniards come to know Christ. So how can the Camino be used for that? Because it still is, even though the Camino is hugely international, there's still the biggest group of people walking the Camino every year is Spaniards. Yeah. And so how can we help them encounter Jesus in a meaningful way? Um, so I don't know, man, I, but again, that's where it's, it's kind of one of those deals where for me, that's the exciting part is I got no clue, but there's only ideas to follow and, and, and try to, and try to kind of build off of, uh, I think the difference for me this time is, and one of the blessings of being attached to Agape Spain is y'all are just, you know, in, in Spain, there's so many resources for us to attach onto and be involved with rather than us having to completely reinvent the wheel. So we're stepping into something that's already a, a ministry that's a blessing to the entirety of Spain. And we're just going to be a small piece of that. So, um, and that's maybe a little, that's where I've matured. Cause I think when I was 25, I was like, I don't want to be around anyone. I want to go start my own thing. And, you know, I was arrogant, you know, and, uh, and that's where I've changed. I'm like, no, I've, I want to be close to someone who knows how to do these things because I got no clue. Um, I usually tell people now, I'm sorry, I'm talking a ton, but I guess this is kind of my journey here. That's kind of your um, story. Yeah. I think, I think when I was younger, well, I usually tell people I beat my head against the Swedish wall for 13 years. <clears throat> Lord humbled me enough that I'm, I'm, I'm ready for ministry. Um, yeah. I, I just think it, you know, you just have those experiences and, and, and that's one of them. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man, it's, uh, I'm excited, but I get excited by new stuff. It's unspoiled by reality. <laughs> unspoiled by reality. Yeah. 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 Well, Spain, Spain's, Spain's a great country. I love Spain, but Spain has like any place has its, you know, its challenges. 
yeah it's complications right. you know well, we were just talking with someone who does ministry in spain and it uh, just today before we got on this call and and uh, uh they were sharing how you know it took them 10 years to even start what they wanted to get started and if someone had told them in the beginning if this is going to take 10 years for you to get going they would have you know never done it and so I think that's what I mean is right now, everything's in ideas and my ideas always sound great on the, on, yeah. the, on the front end, but it's like, once reality gets involved, it's like, Oh, maybe this wasn't as interesting as, as we thought it was. So, um, so I, but I think that's something I've learned about myself. Right. So that's only a blessing for me and for us along the way to go, okay, we need to, we need someone who's a see it through person or, even just to know, okay, some of these ideas just aren't going to work out and that's okay. So, yeah. Cool. So you guys make the move in August. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes. August. Uh, yeah. First part of August, we'll, we'll drive our way down to uh, Santiago de Compostela. And uh, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully Europe will be open by then. <laughs> like, cause we're kind of, planning on trying to see some of Europe during that time. So yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. The, the, yeah, how does the, that, how's that, what, what is that drive is like you go through, do you go across a bridge or yeah, you go through Denmark. Denmark, you drive through Denmark and then kind of Germany and uh, Netherlands, France, kind of Belgium. You can, yeah. there's several ways you could go, but that, I think that's the way we're going to go. We want to see as many countries as we can and um, hopefully we'll be vaccinated. It'll make it easier. I mean, we can still travel because we're moving and it's, it's allowed and stuff, but yeah, it's, it makes kind of moving <coughs> easier if things are opened up a little bit. Um, yeah. And the, yeah. You can have fun. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, again, the, uh, there's this huge adjustment, man, of the plan was not to move in a pandemic. We kind of thought, okay, yeah. things will be wrapped up by now. And you yeah. know, like it was kind of like, we didn't want to, like our kids haven't had to, none of us wear masks. Sweden's like the only place in the world. So we would just have to stay here to not have that experience. But like, yeah. you know, like that's, there's going to be an adjustment there. Um, so I don't know, man. Well, but the Lord has been faithful through it all. Uh, when you get time to look back on things, you realize, oh, God always remains faithful. Yeah. So I think yeah. we'll be okay. Positivity is my number 10 on strength finders. So I'm, I'm realizing how often that comes out where I'm like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll be great. It'll be great. Pretty, it must be high for me as well. Cause I'm always like, yeah, it'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, we share ideation. Is it your number one? Uh, it's pretty high. I've, I have a lot of ideas. Yeah. Our ideas come out differently though. It's, it's fascinating to me how in strengths, just because one person has a, one strength. It's like how their mix works and then also their personality yeah. and their story and, and everything. It's just, it's fascinating stuff. So yeah. Anyway, well, it'll be fun on this podcast to, uh, I feel like I'm going yeah, to get to be a, a real missionary again. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of senses, it, you, you're right. It is because you, you, you're going from a place where you kind of have competence and kind of, you're kind of set in, you know, in, in, set in and, you know, really keyed in going to a place now where you kind of have to start over and where even the, the idea of the ministry is you kind of have like full carte blanche to kind of explore and, yeah. you know, see what you want to do. So it's like, uh, well, it is, it's, it's very exciting that way. It's like real, real mission work again, you know, like yeah. to, to kind of start uh, from the very, very beginning, uh, which is, you kind of, you know, I, I sometimes miss that a lot because, uh, you, when you get going and build something up, you're now you're in just maintaining, you know, a lot, which is, there, which is fine. There it's is part of the some, job. Yeah. There's something to be said for, um, this shouldn't be misunderstood the way that I'll say this, but uh, the missionary should, should does some of their best work when they're on their heels. Yeah. Um, the other way to say it is, once a certain level of competence, local competence has been gained, a missionary might lose effectiveness. <laughs> Some degree, yeah. Like, because you, you lose you your... Be careful, I agree. You, you, it's so easy to become rote and start depending upon your own strengths rather yeah. than, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing and I need you to show up and you appreciate yeah. 
you know, God's grace and mercy and goodness even more. So I don't know. Those are, those are, um, it's an interesting place to be, but, uh, so yeah, like, like I say, man, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're a worthy addition to the Agape Spain family. And, uh, you don't, you don't regret, uh, pushing this through uh, Agape Spain has been nothing but welcoming to us. And so we're looking forward to it, man. Oh, we're, we are too. We're, we're, we're sure it'll be great. Yeah. Well, uh, where do we, where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Garrick, uh, so we'll, we, we plan on continuing the podcast. Yeah. We got, um, we've got some guests we'd like to ask. Yes. Be part of, uh, we need to get around to getting some, our guests back on. We've been, it's, it's been a busy, I think we've, you and I have just been, well, you you're moving. I've been yeah. busy, man. May, Transition. like, uh, April, May have been crazy. We've, because partially Spain just kind of opened up. Like we're, you know, things are generally kind of normal here. So we've, we've actually been sending students on, weekend projects we've got we've got a lot of stuff going on it's been it's been busy we're getting ready for our summer projects right now yeah i saw uh, that on, on facebook yeah we're doing uh group walking the camino another group uh, working at the house so uh things aren't at full capacity anywhere but but things are moving along and so uh so it's we've been busy yeah it's it's kind of nice to have this is the last you and I comment about this all the time. So maybe this is where we should stop, but there is going to be a whole host of things that were, are no longer the same. So yeah, the way like zoom different things. Okay, fine. But I'm watching even here, the rapidity with which people want to return to life. Like it is overwhelming how, much people just want to have a normal life, like not think about pandemic. So that's what I mean by normal life. So I'm not saying people want to ride the subway the same. I don't know if they want to ride the subway or not, but I'm more saying things like people are people and human behavior seems to be human behavior. Like it seems interesting to me that in poetry, song and literature, great epidemics and pandemics are rarely cited. Mm -hmm. It's like people just want to forget them. Yeah. Oh, let's just get past that. Like 1918 really isn't mentioned much in literature. It's like, no, people just move on. Yeah. But not the fascinating. Anyway. All right, man. Well, thanks for listening to me drone on and on about. That's good. I think it's a good, good way for people. You know, I think if people are out there thinking about making their own change in ministry and missions, I think I think it's a that's a good a good maybe a good blueprint or a good guideline for making making some of those. Just go on the well. First one, just go. I got to go on the Camino. Go on the Camino. Go on the Camino. Yeah, if, if you're trying to make a life choice, go on the Camino. It, it actually could help a lot. Actually, really, it really could. And it doesn't mean that you'll end up moving to Santiago to Compostela. But if you do, I'll be there to welcome you. Um, yes. No, I think that's right, man. I I watched a friend of mine who's a pastor in Texas. He actually was at his position. He just, uh, just walked out of his office yesterday, packed it up wow. after 13 years. So he and I were basically about the time I came to Sweden, he was becoming a pastor there. Um, and he just started a ministry in Bryan college station. It's called on ramp, but he went through a really, um, bad, almost clinical depression because he got into this rut of like, okay, what I do is really meaningful, but I don't feel life in it anymore. And loved cars, loved racing cars. So we kind of got back into fixing up a car and having a project. And that was kind of fun. And then he realized there were all these people in the area who didn't have cars and that if they just had a car, their life would be better. And so he started this nonprofit called on ramp to help worthy people with get a car and get a reliable car and how that made such a difference in their life. Well, now he's running this 
nonprofit. He completely, he's quit his pastoring job. He's going to run this full time. And it's like, you just see this journey. And four or five years ago, when he was going through depression, you would have never been able to see this light. But now in this process, it's been something that's just given a ton of life. And so that's great. I don't know. You just never know what, what, what's going to happen. Not to saying that I'm everything's turning up daisies because who knows? I haven't yeah. moved to Spain yet. Maybe everything turns up sombreros. I don't know. <laughs> Not so good. No point. Yeah. <laughs> no point. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. But uh, glad to be a part of the journey. Glad you're on it with me. Fun yeah. to be able to see you let's, more. Let's see what, and, see what uh, happens. Yeah. And uh, if nothing else, we'll, we'll just keep doing this uh, podcast. For those who, for for the throngs of, of for the twelve. <laughs> oh, D Adams, this one's for you, buddy. Thank you, you for thank you for getting us on the Camino, man. It's all it's all your fault, and we appreciate it. Garrick, I hope you have a great weekend. And you too, man. Uh, until the next time we talk to you later, we'll, we see. We'll, we'll no. Until the next time, we'll see you later. See you when I see you.